the part of me that will keep saying no because I'm so afraid of letting someone in. And the big umbrella of the whole thing is I'm so terrified to let anyone know me. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. Sometimes you have to go through the darkness to reach the light. That's what I did. After 12 years of recovery in sex and love addiction, I finally found my soulmate, myself. Please join me in my novel, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict, a four-time bestseller on Amazon. It's a brutal, honest, raw, gnarly ride, but hilarious at the same time. Check it out now on Amazon. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves and others. You know, those deep, dark secrets we probably want to go to our grave with, or those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing. Really, the how, what, when, where, and why of it all. My guest today is Ruby. Ruby, my question for you is, Dun, dun, dun. What is your secret? All right. So my secret is that I am a sex and love addict. And there are other components to that as well, which is like there is the anorexia of sex and love addiction. Oh, well, let's talk about that. So for how, how, I mean, everybody knows I'm in the program. How long have you been around? I think my whole life I've been around in other 12-step programs mm-hmm. for my whole life. The, the People Pleasing Program, the Al-Anon Fixer mm-hmm. Program. I've been in that one. But what I realized was that I had a lot of my own little things that I kept hidden by all the ways that I tried to manage and control everybody outside of myself. Mm. So, yeah. So I would say that I started in the Al-Anon Program, which is really trying to you know manage and control. And then it I started to recognize that I, I I never wanted anybody to see my flaws. That was part of my thing. So a lot of my stuff was just this strange behavior that manifested like sex and love addiction. It sort of came out in a way that to get things as a way to avoid things, as a way to avoid intimacy, because we all know the definition of intimacy is into me, you see, but mm-hmm. which I love that term, but I used it. I just always had an ulterior motive with sex and love addiction until I learned that um, love and sex is supposed to be a byproduct of commitment and sharing and connection and cooperation and, and all these beautiful things they talk about it. I never had any experience with it in that realm. I always just thought it was to be used as a tool and never as something that actually was something that was beautiful for engaging in a partnership with someone. So my whole life was that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, as we've discussed it before, like I, I know for me, like I would put on these masks to become someone else. So I I never wanted to show the real me. Yeah. Which is really exhausting and very painful. And then I think as you get older, you know, we get tired of wearing a mask all the time. You need to breathe. Whereas when you're not being who you are, you are imploding on yourself. You're keeping everything capped inside. So I think um, recognizing that I had that thing, which was like, why well, I always felt so weird about intimacy and relationships kept me so disconnected from my partners. So I was able to have a partnership with friends, like girlfriends. I could have like great relationships with girlfriends. I felt super connected. Mm-hmm. I was able to be super intimate with my girlfriends in the way that we communicated and whatnot. 
But when it came to a partner where there was actual physical intimacy and a friendship, I didn't know how to combine the two. I could have intimacy, but I didn't know how to be friends with those people. I just knew that I had to put on my little sex kitten characteristic and be this little thing to make them think about me the way I wanted myself to be looked at as, um, which kept me far, far, far away from being able to be who I was and also from being able to speak out for what I needed. So it was a long, long, lot of years worth of not being who I was in my intimacy life. And, and it was very painful looking back at it. So let's you've been around and you've looked at it and you've done the work, but now I really want to discuss the anorexia side of it because I haven't actually discussed that yet. So I'm interested if you want to explain that to the listeners. Yeah. So anorexia in the realm of sex and love addiction is the same as like food addiction. You wear eating disorders in the realm. Plus I had that too. When I was younger, I did a lot of messing around with anorexia as far as in the food realm. Mm -hmm. What it is like, it's a fear of overeating. So you tend to undereat and you tend to, you know, the smaller you can become, the safer you feel. So it's kind of like that with, um, with sexuality, the way that it manifested was I would go really quickly into a relationship with someone like I would meet someone and I would probably be sleeping with them that day that and then quick. moving in and then like um no <laughs> I, I didn't really do that a lot of my I didn't my, either but I know a lot of people that I know a lot of people that did that I was too smart for that because I knew that just down the line also that was too scary because the anorexic part of me would be like that would make me crazy if I had to be around that person for too long because <laughs> I feel like I need to get away. You know, like I couldn't tolerate that kind of intimacy. So anorexia in the realm of sex and love addiction is sort of getting like, I would just have a casual sex encounter with someone because it was a lot safer than letting somebody see me or letting myself see someone else. And it had only to do with the body and a physical sensation, but nothing to do with connection. Right. And then, yeah. And then all of a sudden, I didn't have to get turned off by that person, by who they, what, what thing they might do or say that would turn me off. So it was a way to stay very, very disconnected, very unintimate, but in, but you're having intimacy, which is such a, a a really strange dual thing. You're being intimate, but you don't know the person at all. And you're allowing yourself to be physically intimate, but getting to know someone was far too scary. So quick intimacies with strangers was a lot more comfortable for me. And anorexia kicks in, in that, I would go long periods of time without being with someone mm. because I was so terrified to actually allow myself to be intimate with someone. And then I would get to where having a quick intimacy with someone was starting to hurt me too much. It started to feel too painful. So I would then just be like, I'm not going to be with anyone until I feel really comfortable with someone. But the anorexia part of me would not let myself get to know someone well enough to feel comfortable. So then I would go through these periods of time where I was feeling very anorexic. So it's withholding, it's withholding yourself and your sexuality. It's withholding. So I definitely know what that feels like. For me, it's easier too to be intimate with someone I don't know than intimate with like someone I love. The two didn't go together. So how long were the periods of you being anorexic sexually? I mean, there there were some times where... I would go two years without being having, you know, being sexual with someone. Maybe I'd have a makeout session here or there, you know. Um, but there would be sometimes two years. I think the longest was maybe 
yeah, I think three years of complete, no abstinence from sex, but like I said, a few little makeouts. And those few little makeouts, or there would be like three years of complete and total abstinence from sex, thinking that I was doing something really good for myself. Yeah. Holding myself for the right thing. And then I'd meet someone and then that night I'd sleep with them. I'd be like, what just happened? Like, how did I go from not being with anyone for three years thinking that I was going to be, do the right thing for myself and save myself till I felt connected to someone? And then I meet someone and my brain goes into just like an alcoholic was like, who's been sober thinking like, I'm not going to drink that drink. I don't need to drink that first thing. Then you're like, I can just have a sip. It'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're just, <laughs> and I'm not an alcoholic, but that's from what I've read. That's so funny to me, but that's how it works in the realm of sexual addiction, sexual addiction and sexual anorexia is I can go being very strong about that. I'm not going to have an encounter with someone that's not connected. And then, and then I just meet someone and then they look at me a certain way. And then I think, oh, I just hang out with that person. I haven't been with anybody in a while. And then all of a sudden they'll be trying to be sexual with me and I'll be like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to go there. And then they get aggressive enough. And to me, that's like a go. Like if somebody's going to be aggressive enough and that's the part of me that I had to really check into was the mm -hmm. part of me that, that needed that person to be that aggressive to where then I would just you know, roll over and be like, okay. And that scared me that I would, once somebody got aggressive and over with me, then I would just be like, okay, you know, my, Do you know what that ties from? Do you, did you tie it back to anything? I mean, I've done so much writing on it. I think it, it ever since the beginning of my intimacy life, I always heard in my vo my, the voice in my head was my mother being like, don't let men touch you. They'll hurt you. They'll try to take advantage of you. They'll hurt you. All this negative, 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 negative. So I had this total like, no, 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 no. But then, um, um, and then what happens, I'd say no. But then if somebody come along and be that aggressive, I would think, wow, they really must like me. They really want to be oh, with me. Oh, that makes so, sense. Yeah. So then my head will think, well, I guess maybe this is meant to be since they really want to be with me. They would not like, thinking it in terms of like, they just want to get laid. They're going to be a little bit, some people are a little shy and they aren't. They're like, so, they need me. I need to give they, them this yeah, because they a, need it so bad. They want right? me so much. Yeah. And that makes me feel important. Like they must really want me. I must be really valuable that they're really going to try to push me. Not thinking like my no should be, uh, my no is enough. Yeah. And, but also my no the anorexic part of the no part of my voice will keep going for three years because I keep saying no, 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 no. The, the anorexic part of me until someone is aggressive enough. And then I'm like, okay, well, they, they really need, they really want me. So I should say, yeah, because maybe I haven't been with anybody in a long time. Maybe I just need to let go and just relax about this. There's this quick switches of my brain. Here's, here's my question for you and for other people that don't understand this. Do you find that the anorexia side of this disease very hard? I almost find it more difficult to overcome than the acting out part. Do you agree? Uh, uh, yes, because yes, because you can get caught in that cycle of I'm not going to let um, the part of me that will keep saying no because I'm so afraid of letting someone in. And the big umbrella of the whole thing is I'm so terrified to let anyone know me and really be me. So that part of me is stronger, uh, is really strong. So I can go long periods of time. And like I said, then I'll have these moments of like amnesia where I forget and I'll just sleep with somebody after two years of no one right at the spur, of the, right at that 
one moment. I'll just be like, ah, he's really cute. He's really sweet. I'll just, whatever. Let's just have fun. Because there's that part of me that just thinks, so let's just like, let's just live a little, let it go. Um, but that's not the, that's the extreme other side. There has to be like a middle ground is what I'm finding is like, that's not okay. And not, and not, and not, and not. They say the anorexia of sly is not doing something and not doing something and not doing something. Just like you can like, I'm noticing in my writing and all my growing right mm-hmm. now COVID is my issues have been coming up for me is like change. Change is really hard for me. Like I- It's hard for a lot of people. Just so you know, change is very difficult for people. It's really hard. But um, I find it easier when I have people around me that support me, but I've, I've kind of been solo for a little while. And so I really find that change thing has really been triggering for me of like, I'm trying to make some decisions about to move or to not move or to rent my house or not rent my house or to stay or to not, or I get or invite someone to rent part of the house. I've had ongoing things like that. And my, my fear of making a mistake, maybe mm. it's the mother in my voice, the mother head saying, you're going to make a mistake and you're going to screw yourself over and you're going to get hurt. They're going to hurt you. They're going to take you. It kind of bled. It's bled through. Now that's an old story. And I've slowly been trying to move that story out from the forefront of my path because it's it's blocking me from taking risks and jumping in and jumping in the current. Like I read something beautiful about how like how awesome is that when you can jump in the current and not grab the sides, not be gripping the sides of the current, the sides of the little riverbank because you're so terrified of where you might end up, but to actually release your fingers and trust something much bigger than you and see where that flow takes you. That's been my journey lately is prying my fingers off of everything. And COVID has actually been really helping with that because it's such a weird, powerless time period right now for everybody that I'm having to pry my fingers off of everything that I think I know and let go and see what, what's coming, you know, flow down that river. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. That's exactly what we are working on is just like letting go and whatever's going to be is going to be. And we're always taken care of, but I do want to hit back at this anorexia thing. And I want to attach this kind of shame of anorexia withholding yourself with these seven deadly sins, not in the religious sense, but more in the character defect sense. So I'm going to name them for you. Okay. We got pride, greed, lust, gluttony, envy, anger, and sloth. Okay. So the biggest ones for me are pride Mm -hmm. and sonic amount of pride about looking good which is also tied into like people pleasing how I want people to see me as opposed to what I actually am wanting to control that. Um, there is some, um, lust takes over a little bit sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, read them again. So pride. We have greed, lust, gluttony, envy, anger, and sloth. There is some greed. I find there is a part of me that, um, I want to hold on to everything physically, um, phys- um, metaphorically, um, monetarily, um, control. I want to hold on to everything. Mm-hmm. So there's something in the way of it's, it's a greed thing to me. It's not open-handedly like money, you know, I read something else like money. I'm on a growing spur right now. Mm-hmm. Money. <laughs> every time you spend money, I read something that said you're supposed to say, well, in this particular thing, it said say arigato, money going out, arigato, money coming in. So thank you to the money going out. 
and thank you to the money coming in. Just as much as the money coming in, the money going out should be a thank you. And to me, that is where um, gluttony or greed is. It's the same with withholding sex. It's the same with withholding my connection to intimacy, allowing somebody to see me. It's, It's covering, it's holding myself small. It's the same as trying to control everything, keeping it in my hands rather than opening my hands. So there's, I think those are the big ones for me. Well, I also think what you said with the money and and with the sex is this flow. It's a flow. It's a continuous flow. And when you stop that energy, you're stopping the flow of of you. So because my therapist used to tell me like money, it flows out and it comes back in. It's just paper. There's actually no meaning behind it. And with sexuality, it's like you have to stay open and let that flow. So you find yourself closing down. Yeah, exactly. So I love that. So how, who has this anorexia side benefited and who has it harmed? Well, the illusion was that the anorexia was going to keep me really safe mm. so for myself. But really the anorexia has kept me really small and has kept me very disconnected and has kept me terrified. You know, it's kept me small, physically, emotionally, mentally small and disconnected, um, who, so really myself, um, who it's hurt is, I, I would say the, the anorexic part of me is hurt. Um, everyone that I'm in contact with, like my family members, like my brothers and sisters who see me kind of like get so hard about wanting to control things and how to, and, and trying to like manage everything, which is like the anorexia is trying to keep everything just right and keep it, keep your food just right, just small enough to where you stay small enough and keep your sexuality. Don't let it out too much because you might get hurt by someone. You might look. Are you always worried too with the anorexia that you're going to lose control? Um, Yes. And then there's fears that come with that. And the fears that come with that are like, you know, when I was young, I remember being terrified of STDs you know, Mm. like a physical thing. Like if you allow yourself to be too, you know, there are STDs. So I had all these fears and in life, like everything is possible. Like the truth is it's like you can get an STD and it's, you know, it's not the end of the earth, but, or you can, but what, but what it is, is um, it's, um, it's important to live, you know, it's important to live and, and also to, on the, on the biggest scheme of them all is to trust something bigger than you. Yes, we have to take action to be safe. And yes, we have to know the people we're being involved with a bit, not do the, you know, and yes, we have to try something with someone we're not a hundred percent, but we feel pretty good about and we've talked it out and we're reason things out with people that we trust our God squad team, because ultimately um, there is a God, there is a God and we're here on the planet and we're still here on the planet. And there are everyday things happening and we're not in control of any of it as we can clearly see now with COVID, like we're out uh, of yeah. control with everything, but there has to be a point of risk and a point of like releasing your fingers from trying to figure everything out. And so the person I think really it's hurt and it's hurt my partners because the part of me that would become frustrated with my partners and fearful that I was not trusting them, that I would withdraw and that I would shut the wall would come down. Boom. And then mm-hmm. they couldn't see me. You know, I would I would cover myself in my own wall from the anorexia. That would also prevent me from like that thing, whatever you, the walls that are keeping you from experiencing your joy will keep you from experiencing your pain. 
And, you know, we're supposed to be living life and feeling all of it so that you can have an experience. Like, and I love that thing about like your heart, your heart, anorexic will try to protect its heart, you know, protect itself, you know, don't have too, don't have intimacy. You don't know, stay away from everyone. They're going to all hurt you. And so, you know, I love that thing where it says, you want to, at the end of the day, have a heart that's scarred and ripped and has bled and has been beat up a bit because that means that you've been allowing love in. You've been allowing right. as opposed to one that is so preserved and so well cared for because you've protected yourself from any good, any bad, any any middle ground, and you've just stayed safe. Well, and I think you also hit on something that I love, you know, when you said the walls around you, yeah. that it's protecting you yeah. from the pain. But I think what's important is when the past, what I've looked at, it doesn't just keep out the pain. It does keep out the joy. It does keep out the happiness. It keeps out everything. You don't get to choose which emotion you can keep in and keep out. If you're closed off, you're closed off to all the emotions. And yourself. And you're closed Mm -hmm. off for yourself. Like I would say to my, because my brothers and sisters, my families really see it because I'm really close to my family, but they would always be like, I would always be like, I feel so shut down. I can't get out. And they'd be like, what's happening? I'm like, you did that thing that made me angry and stressed me out. And then my wall came down and then now I'm stuck. I'm stuck. And it's really hard for me to soften once I've been hardened and my wall comes down. So it's been a really like interesting journey of trying to learn to not let the wall shut down so that I can let some of the light come in. You know, they say like the light comes in through the cracks, right? Yeah. And if you don't let any cracks open, then no light can come in. And that's what's been my journey lately is letting myself open up across the board with everything and allow some light in so that I can take some risks and I can have some new experiences. And that's been my journey. And that you can give and take like to others. There's an exchange. Uh So my last question for you before we go is how do you move forward or how would you give advice to someone that is feeling stuck? I I mean, I personally really love 12-step programs. There's a program for every way that you mask your feelings. There's the drinker program, the beverage program. There's the anorexic if you're under eating your feelings away and trying to make yourself small, there's the overeater program. If you're eating your feelings away, trying to avoid, there's the program for if you're using money to either hoard and hoard everything, thinking you're going to be safe if you hoard everything, or those people who overspend where they have nothing left. There is a 12 step program for every situation, gamblers, every way. And we all, I mean, I should speak for myself, but I know. My experience is that most people have a way in which they cover themselves with Yeah, something. I call it everybody has an ism. Yeah, there, there you go. And there's an ism program for everything. So I like, I personally like 12-step program because there are no leader, there's no governing people. Everybody kind of runs it. And and it's like free, basically. You donate a, a couple of dollars. There's no like, oh, give us, get a loan out on your house and we'll give you this course that will change your life. You know, I've been in some of those too. I have too. (laughs) When you're feeling fragile, you'll do anything. And I just think that's, that's not fair when someone is vulnerable to, to, to dive in underneath them and grab them and then take advantage of them. So I think 12 step program to me is a safe way to take a look at your stuff. And then of course, therapy is always great. I think it's always good to talk things out with someone who really understands 
And I think it's real important to create a God squad around you, people that you learn, that you meet through your 12-step programs, a community of people that you feel like you can call for different things and that you can be there for them too. Because, you know, like they say in 12-step, you can't keep what you don't give back. So like, if I get to learn all this cool stuff, I don't get to keep it unless I share it. So it really makes it a program of like, you have to give back because if you don't give back and you're just lazy, like I already got the goods, I already feel good. I'm just going to go off now and live my life. Then that's the wrong way to look at it. The right way to look at it is okay. I got it now. I have to give it away so I can keep it. Yeah. I mean, really, that's the only way. And thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us today. (laughs) If you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Until next time. Thanks again for listening to the show. Please subscribe, rate, share, or send me a note at secretlifepodcast.com. And if you like to check out my book, head over to secretlifenovel.com or Amazon to pick up a copy for yourself or someone you love. Thanks again. See you soon.